0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, as always, Shane Told. So great to have you. I hope your new year is going swimmingly. Mine has been terrific. Um, As you guys may have known, if you tuned in last week, I am on my New Year's resolution kick, which is to lose some LBs. And uh, I've let myself go a little bit. It's okay. I'm I'm open about talking about it. So this past week, I've really been hitting the the dieting really, really hard. Been eating a lot of salads, been making my own homemade soups and stuff. And uh, so far... The scale actually hasn't moved. It actually says the same number as it did last Monday. But apparently, I don't know, my fitness expert friends are telling me that's okay and whatever, and just keep it up. So I'm not discouraged. I'm going to keep it up. Um, I hope you guys, if you guys set New Year's resolutions, you haven't broken them already. As always, I like to hear your New Year's resolutions. I like to be with you on it. So as always, you can get in touch with me. Twitter, lead singer Sin. I'm on Snapchat, which is Real Shane Told. And of course, we got old-fashioned email, Syndrome at gmail.com. Now, this week's episode, it's a good, it's a good one. I'm just going to put that right out there. It is a great show. I speak to Davy Muse of Vanna, and this guy has had a really, really crazy life. And um, typically, I don't like to give too much background, um, but this one, I feel like I have to. So... Basically, Davy, when he was eight months old, was found after an ATF or FBI raid of his parents, who were the biggest drug dealers on the East Coast in Boston. And after they were arrested, um, the police went back and they found Davy in a drawer. Um, basically. I mean, left for dead. Uh, It's it's fucking crazy. And um, so obviously, after that, he went into foster care. And then as a child, you know, his parents had a divorce. And then later in his life, he had a child with a woman that he loved. And he raised that child for two months before finding out it wasn't his child. And that led him to a pretty dark place. And music has pulled him out. Music has saved Davey. And now he's giving back by speaking at schools. And that's Really cool. He's going to different high schools all over America, uh, and he's speaking about his life and really just providing hope and, and encouragement for students. And it's really, really awesome. He's amazing. And this conversation is definitely one of my favorites. Before we get into that, I've got to tell you about the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. It is so Rad. I am just enjoying it so much. We have a great group of people there on the Facebook. Shout out to everybody who's already signed up. You guys are killing it. Now to everybody else listening to this who are not members, check it out. For as little as $6 a month, you get bonus episodes. You get a QA and a with me every month. You get to interact with me and the other fans of the show on the Facebook page. For a few bucks more than that, I have stuff I'm actually shipping out to everybody this Monday, which, which is today. Which includes a handwritten note from me, a button, a sticker, some tokens of my appreciation. And the longer you remember, the more stuff you get, including patches and all that good stuff. And if you want Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, you got to be a member of the All Access Club to get it. And that's coming super soon, too. So check it out. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash Access. So go have a look. You know, People are always asking me, how do I support the show? How do I support the show? Well, I did this for a year, and I didn't ask for much. Now I'm saying, hey you guys want to support me, here it is. Here's the club. And you're going to get more and more stuff every month. And so far, everybody on there is really enjoying it. So thank you so much. Anyways, let's jump in. Here's my conversation with an amazing guy, Mr. Davey Muse of Vanna. What? Oh yeah, there you go, weird, it's just my, um, I bought like a shitty cable at Radio Shack and it broke
1: Oh, that's what you get for getting shitty cables at Radio Shack
0: And you know what's funny, oh. I've used it, I've used it for like the last like six months and I know it's been been bad, but I just like, <clears throat> it's just one of those things, like you know
1: Yeah, you just never place it anyways, it's like you just will continue to tape an uh, iPhone charger until it absolutely doesn't work
0: anymore <laughs> Exactly, and then and then you panic, like Oh my God! I can't believe my life sucks so much. Like, oh shit, always happens to me. And it's like, well, yeah, it always happens to you because you aren't planning ahead, dude. Exactly. But, <laughs> hey man, it's uh, really good to talk to you. How how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm actually currently in my office uh, working. It's no one's here today, so it's peaceful, and uh, I got coffee going. And I'm I'm oh, here with you, man. So I'm good,
0: dude. I got a coffee right here. It's so good. Oh man, I love dude, it, dude. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, my friend. How was your uh, How was your holidays?
0: Uh, well, uh, great, actually, great. Really, kind of different, um, kind of holidays because, um, I had Christmas, um, at my parents' house in you know in Toronto area, and my sister who lives in Vegas brought her husband and her three kids, my three nephews, and they're like right at the age where like Christmas is like you know the moon and the stars it's like everything you know yeah it's uh, the ultimate but then what was kind of crazy was on the 26th in the morning I actually went on a tour a solo tour and I did five shows um know, kind of like I did a little circle between Detroit and New York City and um yeah I did five solo shows and I was home back at my house for New Year's Eve that's great so it's been a whirlwind for me um but yeah, and then and then New Year's Eve I got home and my friends like went to a cottage like three hours north and I was like, nah, I can't uh yeah. I can't do it. I just can't do it. So I sat on my parents' couch and watched uh the Dick Clark, you know, whatever, oh, the, Carson the classic Daly. Movie. yeah. Yeah, I watched that with my parents, saw the Mariah Carey debacle, and um What happened to Mariah Carey? I'm didn't, oh man, oh, No, I'm hearing know. things. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, It was hard to watch man I I like don't as a performer You know as somebody that you know I know not only do you sing in front of people you speak In front of people but yeah Dude it's like every nightmare you've ever Had about performing like Coming true like and and you know What the thing is is I don't know What her backing track situation Was what she's like what They make you do on New Year's Um there's obviously a lot of fake stuff Going on but um but but it seemed like her in-ears just didn't work Because she pulled her in-ears out And then everyone was talking about lip-syncing Well, the first song she did There was, like, it was just There was no vocals And she was just, like, standing around being like Yep,
2: God, like, this
0: sucks uh, I don't know what to do And the only thing that they you, they dubbed in Was, like, the, you know when Mariah Carey does that, like, crazy Like, I can't even falsetto in the morning But like oh, that Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah
0: like, I don't even know what you call oh, that. Yeah. Like, those yeah. were obviously It sounds put. like
1: fairy. It sounds like fairy singing.
0: Exactly, yeah. They had put that in, the track. So those came out, um, you know, which... God. Yeah, but then, I don't know. Then it got it got even weirder because they, like, put a second song. I don't know why they didn't, like, after the first song. Broke.
1: Just immediately bail. They yeah, should have bailed. Bail. They
0: I know it's New Year's, but man. So yeah, God, it's, so it's very camera. uncomfortable. It's worth watching, I guess, but you're going to, like, just feel terrible
1: I'm going to cringe I'm
0: going to cringe Oh so, sure. yeah It's so worthy. If anyone else listening to this Hasn't seen it It's it's worth a view And I, I like A lot of people It sucks because Like this is lead singer syndrome we, we We've I've addressed backing tracks And stuff before on the show Yeah um, absolutely You know Because a lot of bands use them I highly doubt Vanna uses them um, No <laughs> But there are bands That are seen that use them And the high ups That are doing These TV shows And everything um, Almost all of them Are using them And Yeah um, but people are saying oh she's lip syncing and it's like well I don't really like know if she even was for that first song and it wasn't really her fault you yeah. know she just got caught you know probably doing even maybe less uh, uh, you know lip syncing or using backing tracks or whatever you want to call it than the other people that performed earlier in the night she just right. happened to get uh, she got caught yeah she got, she got caught because of a technical technical
1: problem some so. a tech some tech somewhere got fired that night really. oh a hundred
0: percent Somebody did although you know what actually, um, I put it up on my twitter um, it 's probably i 'll pin it so people can find it um, it's um, they, the Miraat Car's people made a statement uh, basically about it being the people the house audios people like from the venue uh, yeah. who they had outsourced because they weren't they couldn 't use their own people because it 's like a bigger production right, and that they were like, no no, don 't worry the in-ears are going to be fine." and and she's like five minutes before she's like I don't I have static in my ears like and they're like don't worry when we go live it'll be fine oh, so, be so I don't even know if she can if they can even fire those people because they don't I don't even think they even work for her
1: that's true they can't also I love um, I love uh, Mariah Carey's people release a statement I want people to stop asking me questions and just have my people release statements from now on I mean that's what I'm just gonna (laughs) I'm gonna I have to first find people I gotta find people and then after I find people I'm just gonna have them like call my mom on the phone and be like you know David uh, wants to know if you'd like to go to dinner with him next Tuesday Uh, please respond to us for an answer and uh, we will email him and we'll link up like I just no more human contact for me just go through my people
0: yeah, no, that's that's funny. Um, I forget what it was. One time, I was like drunk at a bar, and uh, the it was like just like little shitty, like hole in the wall kind of bar in my hometown. And like we used to go, like me and my friends used to go because there was like nobody, nobody there, you know. Yeah. So it was like kind of just fun to go hang out, and there'd be like maybe a couple other people, usually just us in this bar. And I was talking to the owner, and he's like obviously struggling a little, little, little bit with no one going to his bar sure so um my friends are all like oh yeah dude Shane you should come play man you should come play and the guys like yeah like look well, like, how much would it cost to 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 book so i said something like oh well i'll have to talk to like you know my agent my agent just yeah. like na- i just naturally said it cuz I, yeah. I would cuz i would it's something i would just say um you know, just say to like anyone that was like, Hey, I want to book you, man. Right. I'll be, yeah, here's my right. agent's uh, email address. Email him, you know? Yeah. Even, say, his even saying his name's Dave. Like He's a great guy. Right, right. And, and, and the the borrower's like, Oh, yeah, pff, my agent, big fucking rock star <laughs> over here. And I'm like, Ah, oh, jeez, I just can't win, man. I just no, can't win. Yeah,
1: it's, it's always funny even saying that, like, because uh, with speaking at schools, I have an agent. Um, who's phenomenal? Um, and he's like he's really passionate about like what he does, and um, it's so funny because when people are like, "Oh yeah, I want to have you come speak," I'm like, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll link you with my agent," and they're like, "I have to have an agent to speak to you," and I'm like. No, it's just if you want to. Oh, God. Never mind. I'm a douche. Don't even worry about it.
0: (laughs) No, it's weird. And you know what else? Like, I guess, you know, we should get into all of the stuff you're doing right now because it's really incredible. My first question I'm going to go a little bit the either way and throw you a little bit of a curveball. I'm ready for it. And you're probably a Red Sox fan. So, yeah. So, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, But how is that whole dynamic of going into a school talking to kids trying to basically uh you know give these kids hope and give these kids a future and do all these positive things but at the end of the day be like yeah uh i need to get paid too yeah that must be a super super weird part of it
1: it's an interesting it's an interesting uh kind of dynamic when i first started um doing it um first and foremost i never even wanted to like you know, speak at schools. I never thought that like, you know, cause when you think of someone that comes to your school and speaks, you think of a guy and he's probably got like a, what he thinks is a nice suit on. And he comes to PowerPoint and tells you like the secret to success and like, and then he's selling his book or whatever, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. kind of stuff you had in high school. Um, you know assemblies were never really cool when I was a kid, and uh
0: I had a couple fucked up ones in my high school. actually I'll tell you about them later, but but continue. All right, cool
1: yeah, I mean, I, I did too. I had like like hypnotists and weird you know oh yeah had trying they were trying stuff in the in the late nineties um but uh yeah, I just um. You know, I never really wanted to speak and I kind of like, you know, I have an interesting story of, uh, you know, growing up and then, you know, after, you know, the early, early years, I guess my, my, I had a pretty, you know, typical upbringing, but then, um, you know, just kind of going through, um, the stuff that I went through in my early twenties and everything is, is, is something that I feel like to personally grow a few years ago, I needed to start sharing. Cause it was something I was hiding, you know, I wasn't even writing about it. I was, um, you know, hiding behind that mask of wanting to be a cool singer of a band, you know what I mean? And that's what I thought I had to be and not to show weakness or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and after everything I went through, um, you know, I started talking about it and Um, everyone I talked to about it, you know, whether it would be a friend or someone I just met or has always been like, have you ever just said all of this, like in a row, like in a, in a story to anyone? And I'm like, no, not other than this time or not other than right now. Um, and then I met a guy, um, his name is Mike Smith. He's, uh, he's only about a year older than me, but he's one of the biggest youth speakers in America, but he's rad. He's a skateboarder. He's covered in tattoos. He's just a normal dude um, that's doing some pretty incredible stuff and, um, my friend Josh invited me to speak at this kind of like leadership um retreat in uh, in colorado and i was like you know what am i gonna bring to the table i'm just like a punk rock loser kid who like mm-hmm. really really is just trying to be a better person at this point um and, you know, Josh was like, just tell your story, tell your story. And so uh, when we came to do the the thing, um, it was cool because there was like, like you know, it was hosted by this company called uh, Ruckus Apparel, which I know, like, you're familiar with. Um, and uh, yeah. this had, like, all sorts of, like, skaters and just regular dudes and, um, like, music guys, tattooed guys, business guys, like, all sorts of people meeting up with this, like, kind of weird collection of human beings that we really weren't sure what it was at the time. Um, but it ended up being something cool that we do every year now. But, um and uh, he's like, yeah, so Mike's going to speak Friday night and you're going to speak Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, good. I get to speak after the professional speaker. That's really awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then uh, I, I kind of just ripped into my story and, and you know, kind of set it all organized. And um, Mike came up to me afterwards and just, you know, started filling me in about, um, you know, Like he's, you know, he really, that story really touched him and it moved him. And you think he thought that people need to hear it. And most importantly, kids in high schools need to hear it. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to go to high schools and talk, you know what I mean? um that's you know for me is kind of is it's a little strange but then you know he made me realize it like um he's like you're you you know you grew up in punk rock right and I was like yeah and he's like in kind of all the stuff you got from like you know all the values you really have in your life you kind of gain from punk rock and from from being in the music industry and you know that loving caring nurturing kind of like relationships you had and he's like now imagine all the kids that never will go to a punk rock show and I was like Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess it become, you know, it became my job to kind of bring a punk rock show to kids that would never get to go to one. Yeah. That's interesting. Um,
0: That's an interesting point. Yeah. I always think about that. Like, like I'll find myself in like a club or something, which has it happened uh, only on, you know, fingers on one of my hands. Uh, That I've ended up like in a fucking club. It's the worst place ever. But (laughs) I see these people and they're like standing around and I'm like, oh my God, this is so boring. Like, and then I'm like, oh yeah, these are just people that never found punk rock. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's all all it is. They're just, they just like, oh, didn't
1: save their life yet. No,
0: and and, uh, probably never will. And that's why there's a lot of shitty people in the world because they never found punk rock. Is that true?
1: Can I say that? I'm just saying it. Whatever. I'm I'm saying it. I back that statement. Um, Um, But, but yeah, man, so. You, you when, did, when it comes when it comes down to like the the money aspect of it, yeah, the big thing that like the big thing that like um a lot of these guys that I've met and come a long way, um with has been like um Mike's good point was he, you know he's like what do you do for a career and I had to think about it because I used to teach um you know years ago I taught preschool and um, I've always worked with kids which obviously everybody knows is not a very high paying job anyways you do it because you love it and you want to make a difference right. um and I had to think about it for a second and I was like you know for the last you know, whatever, eight years, you know, Vanna has been my career. It's been everything I've done. It's I put every worth into it. And, you know, he made the point of, don't you think it's time for you to, like, be able to take care of your family and take care of yourself and stop living on, you know, couches and stop, you know, crowd surfing, uh, couch surfing your, your friends' houses. And also, isn't it time for you to have something in your life? What better way to have something for your life than to talk about your life? And, um, you know, I kind of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. C- and I'm not came I'm around not, to me that way. Don't get me
0: wrong. I'm not trying to, like, say... Um, no, I'm glad,
1: I'm, glad you, I'm glad you asked. No, I'm not, it's a, I know. It's, because it's a lot of times people don't understand it. Well,
0: people don't understand the other thing, too, that, like, people expect musicians too like a band like Vanna who um, you know you guys are uh, I would say you're kind of like a mid-level artist where yeah, absolutely. Really you're able to tour uh, pretty consistently uh, you're able to get tours you're able to do it but you know you aren't you aren't playing you aren't headlining House of Blues or anything like you no, know what yeah. I mean, you're not we're, at not, that we're, not, level. Pulling, we're
1: not pulling so, down these like royalties or these, these merch sales that are insane to like ex- just exactly live, you know? so
0: it's very very um, you, you know you guys ha- are, are really out there hustling And, you know, and um, that's kind of how I'm sure you've lived your life. Yeah, you say you lived your life like that for eight years. Now, bringing that into schools, it's a kind of a weirder environment for that. Um, You know what I mean? But at the same time, your message going over, there is value to that. And it is your time. And I totally get it. But I just like, I just kind of wondered how that was uh, initially and now how it works out. And it's like, (laughs) <laughs> some like you're like some schools like i we can only give you this much money and you're like yeah sorry i can't do it well, i can't save cool. sorry i can't
1: save these kids <laughs> sorry man not coming through um no yeah it's cool we work with all sorts of budgets we work with all sure, sorts of locations sure. um you know uh, i'm even trying to get overseas now um and for oh, yeah. that yeah yeah i've got a couple interests in like uk and germany and even for that like for mostly it's the travel if you can get me if you can get me there i'll, I'll just come and do it um And um, and the cool cool thing is I've seen a lot, which it kind of, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit, but people think teenagers nowadays suck. And in some respects, I can see why you might think that. But um, a lot of these kids, when they want me to come to their schools, they found me organically. Um, they've brought it to their teachers and their teachers go, okay, you have to like, you have to figure it out and they crowdfund oh, wow. and, and they come up with the money themselves. They do fundraisers, car washes. They take a couple Saturdays out of their, out of their week because they they think that this is something their school needs to hear. Wow. And they, that's raise, awesome. they raise a little bit of money. Yeah. And so whenever, whenever I can get with a student and talk to them about how we can figure it out, you know, I do school, I do free schools all the time. Um, I do, I work out, I work out with, you know, whatever schools can do, you know, sometimes what we do is like, if you want to do a couple of the smaller schools in the area, all you got to do is like go to one of their larger schools that have a big budget for it and offer your services to them. So that way you can go, they can cover costs and then you can bang out to all these smaller schools that, that really need you to come in and do it, but just can't afford it. So we work with all sorts of stuff, man.
0: Now, do you do this stuff typically, how long have you been doing this? First of all.
1: Uh, I've been doing, I've been speaking, uh, for three years uh, oh, wow. at that's, schools. That's yeah. crazy that long. Um, yeah. and
0: do you typically, when you do it, do you do like do you get in a van and do it like you're like you're, like it's a tour? Uh,
1: dude, that's actually the next phase of something I want to concentrate. So normally what I do is um it depends like sometimes I'll do like you know tours where, you know, in 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 the world of my agency, they're just booking me at a bunch of schools, but in my head, you know, I'm going, "Oh, I'm going to be in Southern California, Northern California, then Oregon, then Seattle." That's like a whole tour. So I'll I'll make my own flyers for it and of some, sometimes it's like open to the public so like people can just come to it um and and i always always have all my friends from the road they always like i've had more of my like heavily tattooed punk rock friends in high schools in the last couple years than you know any (laughs) other time um but my next i think my next thing is i I really want to take it on the road and do it in like clubs like at night you know what i mean and 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 possibly like possibly like bring my guitar player or you know, go out with a couple other people like that. Like, cause there's a definitely a couple other, um, you know, dudes in the music industry that like are speaking in one way or another, not really at high schools like I'm doing, but like in one way or another, you know, like my dream would be to like, you know, get in a van. Uh, I mean, my ultimate dream would be to get in a van with like Henry Rollins and Toby Morse and then <laughs> me and do like a three part sure. speaking thing. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's the next step for me is going out in clubs. Cause a lot of, a lot of what I'm getting from, um, you know, people who pay attention is that, um, when I do these public ones, it's all people of all ages and people that aren't in high school anymore can come to these things. And, uh, you know, I've kind of put the vibe out about doing like a story, like a storytellers acoustic, but then also like speaking tour. And it it seems like it's, it's got some interest, so I think that's like my next step in 2017 is um, I'm going to start doing like actual van tours, like yeah, getting in a yeah. van and going. No, out I just, the I thing. just,
0: my question was basically just like logistically, when you go to these high schools, like do you just do you fly, do you drive between? Yeah, I'm flying. I'm flying, and then in,
1: yeah, yeah, I just, yeah I'll, I'll rent a car, and then if okay. some of them are like close, I'll just bang them all out cool. real quick, or I'll do. I mean, sometimes I'm. Sometimes in one week, I'm taking you know up to you know four to eight flights a week, depending on where I have to yeah. be. Sometimes I have to be California, and then I have to be back in New Jersey, and then in Michigan, and then back home again. Like it kind of bounces around. That's so. crazy.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 really cool, and it's funny that you mentioned the thing about the guy you know with the nice suit in high school. And actually, when I was in high school, I remember um, we had you know probably like at least once a year we had you know we're all getting in the gym and we're listening to someone speaking. Yeah. At least once a year, maybe twice a year, and and there's two people that I remember listening to that really st- stood out. And the first was this ex drug drug addict guy, who was really rough around the edges, and you know he was basically just like told his story of losing everything. Yeah, you know, that definitely scared me straight. You know, I was never yeah. gonna I was never gonna try uh, heroin um, after that guy. You know, sure. So you know he, that definitely put an impact on me. This guy, and you should actually look into this guy, and I'm not sure what he's doing now because he would be a bit older, but um, his name is George Shivalo, and he's a former um, heavyweight boxer. Yeah. He's Canadian, and he's actually, I believe he's the only boxer ever to knock down Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. I think, yeah. So he came to our school to speak, and I just thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, you know. I'm a champion boxer. I'm going to tell my story of how I, you know, whatever I, something bad happened to me. I got in a car accident or something, <laughs> like you know, something like. Yeah, yeah. And man, his story was really, really dark um, about his children. I think both of his sons developing heroin addict addictions, and Jeez. I think maybe both of them even overdosing. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember all the details of the story, but that guy being there, that was like the most emotional thing i've ever heard i still think about it right um, i mean that's and- that's
1: kind of the thing is that like that's what that's what you you make a, a connection to as a human is is listening to these other humans speak about whether it's a tragedy or success or you know triumphs or whatever it may be. You're listening to these people and the, the in the in the stories that like come out of you know you know what they're telling you and, and they're standing in front of you and you know they're alive and you know they're they're making it. And um, sometimes it's not even the, that person's in, in story. It's a story they tell about somebody else. That's the thing that hits you. It's whatever makes an impact on you. No one wants to sit there and be lectured for an hour about how to like you know be successful and make your first million by twenty one like yeah, that's great and all but like what is that really like how are you really making a connection to any of these kids right, of like course. you you remember that story you know what almost twenty years later you know um yeah, and it you, it's, it stays with you and that's kind of like that's the main thing I try to do at these schools is I, I tell my story from literally from birth to now in hopes that something will connect with them and stay with them and maybe it'll change something about their path that they don't have to go down the same way I did you know
0: absolutely and I, I think it's really really rad so um, a lot of people listening probably don't know your story um, unless in the intro I tell your story I don't know if that's kind of the thing I want to do or not so, basically, I just want to get to the beginning of, like, kind of what led you here now, um, being the front man of Vanna, uh, yeah. you know, being, going around America, um, um, talking to kids, and now, you know, even trying to take this overseas. Now, obviously, you have a really, really intense story, um, starting from, basically, from when you were born. And yeah. um, that's crazy, man. A- and... Um, I don't want to put like all the, tell the story right now to put words in your mouth, but at the same time, like, I don't even know where to begin. So like, y- y- basically you were found in a drawer after a drug raid. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: yeah, That's like kind of where it all started found in a drawer after a drug raid by my, like from my paternal parents. And you were uh, about eight months raided. old. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I was, uh, you know, um, found by, uh, police, uh, and then, um, they called me like you know the the, the miracle uh, baby because I wasn't supposed to you know survive something like that and um, like and this was in up, the,
0: this must have been in the news and everything
1: yeah yeah there's like there's like clippings and stuff about it um, from like uh, from like Boston South Boston whatever hospitals I, I ended up landing at um, but I, I got I got put into uh, you know like foster care um, and this did is you like have, a,
0: sorry this is I have to ask all these questions like did you have okay. a name. Like, is your name nah, your name, or is your name?
1: Yeah, I had I had, a di- I had a different name. Um, I had a different name completely. And it's funny because when I was a little kid, I was always afraid to tell people that because of course I, we were. didn't know we didn't know if like my my the my paternal parents named me that because it's a very specific, very like weird name. So we weren't sure if they named me that to like come find me one day or something. You know, like, there's so many things that run through your head as a kid that is like adopted about like the life that you don't know. Um you know, when we do like, you know, why do you have brown hair? Why do you have blue hair in school and like what are your parents like? Like for me, that was like a point where like I was like I don't know. All I know about them was that they were like kind of bad drug dealers and they went to jail and now I'm here. Um so like I, I don't, you know, there's like so many like questions you ask yourself. Um how how old were you
0: how old were you when you found out like this whole story
1: it's it's i've kind of like it's something i've known for like a really long time so like ever since i can remember my my parents and when i whenever i say my parents i refer to my you know my parents and also my parents parental situation is also (laughs) very strange i have a lot of parents um but uh um they've always told me since like day one i've already i always kind of knew like i was adopted from a a family of drug users and drug dealers and, um, you know, um, my mother adopted me when I was, I mean, the adoption was finalized right before I was like two years old. Um, and I've kind of always known this. I've always known both me and my sister adopted from different families. Um, I never felt, um, it's weird because I never felt disconnected from my mom's the one who raised me. My, My parents had been getting divorced when I was four. So my mother was you know, basically a single parent raising me and I've never felt, um, not connected to her like things i do now like today i'm like that's my mom i'm my mom you know what i mean sure Um, we even we even kind of look alike so it was very like kind of like strange for people to find out that oh like no actually he's adopted um and uh you know you, you kind of you know deal with the classic um you know when you're when your friends decide to turn on you in fifth grade and be mean to you and they use that against you, you know what I mean like you know I dealt with a little bit you don't even know who your parents are and oh, you know geez. all this other stuff yeah and and uh, i went through I went through a little bit of counseling when I was younger too because not only you know was I adopted um my parents were divorced um and uh you know my sister um uh, you know, was, was a little bit older than me and had some, you know, developmental um, issues with our school systems and stuff. So it's kind of like I, it's kind of like my family were sort of like the black sheep, even of our own family. You know, my mother was the only one with adopted kids and that were divorced in our entire like extended family, you know? So um, right. we kind of grew up like, like that. But I think the one thing that I it did for me has always made it like made it more like me more in touch with my mom you know what i mean like me and my mom i my mom was like my best friend growing up so you know i always said i wanted to be my mom and marry my mom when i grew up like that's that was like you know what i mean um <laughs> You know, uh, so for her, you know, um, she found solace in music a lot, you know. She had records all over the house at all times. She was a a beautiful singer. Um, We have like vinyls of her singing from like way back when she was like 18. Um, Oh wow. And yeah, so I kind of grew up around it. And you know, I grew up around the like, my my house was a split house it was like my mother was a former hippie uh, like rocker chick but definitely like um, you know found Jesus and uh, was um, you know religious too so it was like we told the line of like you know gospel music um, and just you know like worship music at our house but then also like uh, Black Sabbath and The Doors and Led Zeppelin <laughs> you know so I kind of grew up with this like huge musical influence and um, you know I, I kind of that like you know led me on to like obviously discovering stuff my own you know right. um, you know right so
0: the, when you were in school um, you know you, you said like you know when you're in fifth grade and kids are being mean to you or whatever Like, what kind of student were you? Were you a good student? Did you not really care about school?
1: (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I was, um, I wasn't a very, I I don't know. I was, I wasn't a good student, but I was a good kid, you know? Um, I I think it was more of like a, you know, every report card I had growing up was like, never shuts up too much socializing, <laughs> um, you know, never sits down, um, you know, which is now my business cards that I give out. Um, I have, it just says my name and on the other side. It just says never shuts up. Cause that's kind of like, i kind of got the last laugh with that and all i do is with my whole entire life and career is with my mouth so yeah. ha-ha, to all, haha to all those teachers um but yeah I, I was but i was a likable kid you know i also had you know teachers telling my my mom like you know he doesn't do his homework he doesn't sit still in class but he smiles at you and suddenly you forget everything and i think he's going to get through <laughs> the rest of his life with that smile just
0: using that charisma and uh just somehow it's, it, yeah. it's totally it's totally worked out for you and they knew at an oh, early oh, age that's oh, interesting absolutely. though I I mean there is a certain level of that like you know my my best friend um in the world his name's chris um you know he's a, a i mean he's kind of like a he's a great musician first of all an amazing musician way better musician than i i am for sure and it just never panned out for him you know it never panned out for him he had bands and they were good and you know they're just kind of unlucky break after unlucky break but he's one of those people like you just know He's going to figure it out. There's just people yeah. you meet, you know, and and he doesn't have a degree. He doesn't have education. But now he owns his own business, um, and he's super, super successful, and he's super, super happy. And you know what I mean? He's got more money than I'll ever make. and um, Exactly. And he's figured it out, and he's truly, you know, content. And there's so much it, you know, like I'm sure you're not telling kids you talk to, you gotta follow this path where you have to do this by this age and this by this age. It's like fuck that. You yes. know what I mean? Seriously. But it's yeah. a, but the amazing thing is there's people that you just know are gonna be successful and I, I think your teachers recognize that you were one of those people.
1: I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, they just kind of knew that, like, the a, a nine-to-five behind a desk with a guy telling me what to do wasn't going to be in my future. Yeah. Um, so why plan for it now, you know? And that's okay. Um, and that's yeah, okay. I mean, 100%. So,
0: um, so later in your life, um, let's talk about um, how you transitioned from listening to your mom singing on records, which is really actually really cool, uh, and listening to gospel music slash Black Sabbath— and started you know wanting to perform your own music you started as a drummer right
1: uh yeah i started out as a drummer i mean honestly to be fair exactly what it was and this is like i guess proof po- positive of our my our generation uh honestly it was warped tour um oh I, cool. Uh, that's cool you know like I, well, the um, Boston Warped
0: Tour is, like, kind of a special thing. One,
1: well, one of, the, yeah, one of the biggest of the entire tour yeah. every year, you know? Yeah. Um, and coming from Boston, there was a great music scene, but I didn't really know about that yet. I just love skateboarding, and I skated with this older dude that definitely shouldn't be hanging out with, like, middle school, high school kids. He was, like, definitely 30 um, and a creep, but uh, <laughs> okay. he was cool. He, like, he drove a limo <laughs> and wore a leather jacket, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um and he told us about Warped Tour and was like, you know, I'll bring you guys to Warped. Like you can skateboard and you can, you know, watch bands. So I went to Warped Tour and uh, what year was this? Ninety-eight. I, uh, 90, I cool. want to say ninety-eight or ninety-nine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I went and uh, Green Day played that year.
0: Oh, that was two thousand. Uh, was that two thousand? Yeah, I'm like a Warped Tour encyclopedia. Don't don't mind okay. me.
1: Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was like my freshman year of high school, I think. Um, and I was already, I was already playing like drums in a band then, but like, I only knew like, you know, a certain a handful of bands, like Christian punk bands at that time. Like right. I'd gone from like, you know, the, you know, that world to over the Christian punk world. And, um, I went to, uh, Warped Tour and just my mind was blown by like, you know, cause I came from a small town outside of Boston. Um, and uh, my mom was just blown about everything. And I went. I literally went home and it was like, I. I told my mother, I was like, I have to be. I have to be. Like in a band Like there's no way Like this is exactly What I have to do um, And I was putzing around On the drums With some friends But what I want to do Is play guitar And sing in a band You know what I mean Right um, Like that's what Everyone wants to do uh, And you know I got the harsh reality From my mom She was like you know we, we don't have a lot of money For guitars Like I don't know Where you're gonna get A guitar from And she you know gave, Broke it to me That I couldn't sing uh, You know When I was, when I was So thir- 13 year old me Standing in front of her With my voice cracking Being like I can sing And uh, so I, I dove in a drum drums um and it's funny because i had no one to teach me um drums and i approached this guy at my church named bob um and that was when i was 15 years old and i'm 32 and he's uh, still my stepfather my parents they got they got they got married through me getting drum lessons from this guy um that's wild they they met they clicked and they've been married for what 17 years or something like that um so That's music became, music became the forefront of my entire life. Not only do I have like a, a rad singer mom who lets me listen to cool music, but now I have like my, my stepfather's a, a drummer, you know, and you know, he started introducing me to all sorts of like different types of, you know, more and more music and, sure. you know, eventually just playing in bands and then. Um, you know playing like in a in a, my basement and, and you know friends basements and then eventually being like I, I, I gotta do more than this I know that bands don't stay in a basement in a garage we gotta do something and you know I grew up outside of Boston so like I knew about shows but it was impossible for me to get to show or play one you know even my, with my own band so um, I kind of went back to the drawing board and was like well the only place I know that I can probably do a show is school yeah. um, so I had to turn back inside and go okay well, I guess I have to care about school now, which sucks because I don't care about school. <laughs> um, and like kind of what you were saying about teachers recognizing something in you, I had a teacher, an English teacher, that kind of was helping me with my writing and helping me realize the connection between like, hey, idiot, like English and writing. I mean, uh, and music goes like hand in hand, poetry. Oh, like yeah, all sure, these. Like, sure. But he's the first one to get me to realize that a subject in school could be about something I like, you know, um, and so, he, he helped me get, um, you know, he helped me get a, a, a place for us to have shows, which was the cafeteria of my school, but not before I had to, like, you know, I had to raise my grades and, like, start paying attention, and, like, I became, like, the, um, you know, with my, with all my friends, I became, the like, you know, the nerd loser that had to, like, pay attention in class because he actually wanted to do something else besides just sit there, you know? Like, I, like, wanted to do shows, and if I wanted to do shows, I, my teachers had to kind of take me seriously, so... Um, you know, I kind of had to like raise my grades a little bit, and um, and it wasn't—I never was because I was like dumb. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a pretty smart human being. I just was bored and I didn't care. Of course, yeah. And that's um, that's a
0: story that that's common. You know?
1: Yeah, I think that's a classic thing with Absolutely. like a lot of us. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, we're just bored and this didn't interest us. So it kind of went from that to like. You know, me becoming the guy that brought You know, the shows to my high school And you know, of course we we did all You know, it was acoustic guys, rappers Rock bands, punk bands My band would definitely headline every single time Because we were the sickest band ever So (laughs) As I sipped my coffee Yeah, I mean, so like That's kind of how how, You know, it it manifested in me That I was like, I can't do anything else
0: So the sick band you were in in high school What were you called?
1: Uh (laughs) uh it was called uh i was in i was in a couple bands so i became the drummer of like a few bands because i wanted to be in a bunch so i was in a band called kung fu master uh which was like a pop punk ish band um pop punk before pop punk was pop punk you know like when those bands just existed um and i was in a band i was in a a rap metal band called ascension
0: ascension (laughs)
1: Yeah, dude. There was a
0: pretty good. There was actually like a real. Sorry, no offense about real band, but there was a real band called Ascension that was pretty good too. I think they were. Fuck, where is Ascension from? I can't remember where they're from. They're like a metal. They were a like metalcore band before, before it was called metalcore.
1: Metalcore, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> same
0: same thing, you know.
1: Yeah, we were only we are only a rapcore band because. Uh, the like one of my best friends had no musical talent whatsoever until he discovered he could scream in a hardcore band a couple years later Oh yeah, and uh so but he had like dj equipment so we just let him be in the band i don't really know like how much djing he actually did but he was just like in the band i guess you yeah. know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so okay so um well i know that, that there was one band um i shit i really i should have the name in front of me uh secret destroyer that was yes. kind of your main A band that kind of led you towards Vanna, right?
1: yeah yeah that was like the band that i kind of like was like you know doing serious touring in i mean serious as you can be diy touring now, did that like, did that you know, form
0: after high school or did that was that um yeah
1: that was that was kind of a product of like um i i i, I graduated high school and um you know I, I uh i was with a girl who ended up cheating on me and having a baby with somebody else so it kind of threw my whole like after high school plans into like the stratosphere and didn't really know what i was gonna do um and uh, Damn, so dude. like I, I, Yeah it was kind of like A, a rough situation So I kind of like um, You know Hit reset in my life And was like I'm gonna go back to music And like try to pursue music um, And uh, it was one of the first bands That like um gave me a a purpose in life because at that point after like that girl and multiple things that happened in my life um i kind of just hit like rock bottom i hit like the suppression and um seeker you know i one band i joined one band Uh, we had some member changes that led to you know eventually getting to like you know getting to seeker which is uh before vanna and um It was the first band. It was the first time that like, instead of just doing music for fun, I was literally depending on it to like be alive. You know what I mean? It was the first band that I was like, you know, battling through, you know, being so sad. And the only time I ever was happy is when I was on stage with that band, you know?
0: Okay. So basically you went through this thing with, with this girl cheating on you, having a baby with someone else. I understand you even raised the child for a little while.
1: Yeah, I did. I raised it for a little while. It has oh, it had my had like my mother's, you know, like middle name, like the whole thing, the whole yeah. like. Okay, this is my life now, and I how I'm you, ready for it. How did you find out? Um, this is uh, she. There was like lots of lies going on because yeah. um, first of all, first of all, she was. um... You know, pregnant with this baby, and I didn't know she was. I didn't know until her friend called me to tell me she was in labor with a oh child. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's that you right off the bat, then. Yeah, right, like right, like first red flag. There you go. Um, yeah. And um, and then um, over over a little bit of time, things were getting weird, and my mom, um, and you know, to anyone anyone listening that may be younger than me moms usually know exactly what's going on so listen to them um (laughs) my mom had a feeling like this was sort of something that was a sketchy deal and she told me that she said you know i know i know you don't want to but you should ask if there's a chance the baby's not yours like you know i can't think of what else this is stemming from and i asked her and her response was i don't want to talk about this right now and hung up the phone on me
0: Oh, there's a red flag number two. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah, um, dude.
1: Yeah, so I kind of found out in a harsh way. And then, yeah. um, you know, the testing and all that, whatever, you know. Uh, a few months later, it came back that it um, it wasn't. So, um, you know, the Seeker was the first band that I was like, all right, I'm diving in, you know, head first um, into this, this, you know, this music, this world, you know. And, um, you know, I, even though I was battling um, a depression then and even uh, a suicide like, you know attempt during that band um it was really the only thing that like ever um you know kept me afloat and kept me kept me going And i didn't realize it at the time you know i thought i was just you know there's no point to anything anyways but um it, it led to bigger things i worked really really hard in that band um you know when, when i when i talk to younger bands now and i tell them stories of how i got seeker touring it's hilarious because they just don't even understand it like i like i went on myspace i did like that show router thing i i posed as my own booking agent and made up fake emails oh sure
0: absolutely you know what i
1: mean like anything to just get your band out we play for like you know nobody we play for 50 bucks we play for gap you know whatever you know um canada was actually awesome for us because we live in the northeast so we would shoot up to canada and go you know from all the way from quebec city to to, uh, like toronto and like the surrounding areas like of the gta and then come back again and like that's how we started learning how to how to tour how to be in a yeah. band how to do it how to grind and um
0: i love that you just said the gta
1: yeah dude damn I, I, like I got, you know i got, i, 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 I like, got big i got big love for canada my wife's canadian so i'm like i'm pretty much half canadian i
0: didn't know your wife's canadian where's your where's your wife from uh, ottawa oh crazy mm-hmm. crazy that's that's wild I would, yeah no, i was just there the gta it's, it stands for greater toronto area but i don't think people outside of canada typically use that term like if you were to you know i I think they think of
1: like grand theft auto like (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's
0: true that's i never even thought of the connection Uh, obviously i know that's funny um it's summer it's hot outside i know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio and personally i love to grab a refreshing miller high life Miller High Life is unpretentious, high quality, and is there to celebrate the wins of every day, big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles either in an iconic glass bottle or, for this summer, in limited-edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you're in tech, you've been there before, feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for design or development, only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead... Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link L-S-S to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. That's cool. How did you get across the border for those shows?
1: Um, we, uh, lied a whole lot. Uh, We said that we were, we were, we said that the old thing to get into Canada was, uh, say that you are recording in Canada and that all your merch, you're doing promotional, uh, like nights at clubs and giving away to promote the record. Um, and that worked for years until like, even up until Vanna and I tried it in Vanna and they were like, uh, that's not. What you say anymore? And we were like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. not what
0: you say anymore. Like they just knew, and they were like, They Whatever. just knew.
1: Like, there's like that's that's BS, dude. We're not doing that. Turn around, get out of here. <laughs> <That's> really <laughs> funny, man.
0: That's yeah. cool. So okay, yeah. So you guys had like I guess your touring band. You had a little bit of success, but you never had like any label interest or anything.
1: Yeah, we had, we had a little, there was this, uh, label that I'd worked with called Hotfoot Records, record, just a little tiny indie label out mm-hmm. of uh, long Island. And, uh, I was putting stuff like, you know, I was like figuring it out. Like how do, how do I get my songs on iTunes? Oh, okay. That's how you do it. How do you get your shit on like per volume? Like I just was figuring it out. Like as I went along and it's funny cause looking back, I thought I had a pretty good handle on what the music industry was. And I literally knew nothing like, you don't you don't know anything, man. Um, but I, I was trying to. I still to learn feel and, like I know
0: nothing, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every <laughs> day, I, mean, I still feel every day that I, I'm challenged and I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, and it, that kind of that kind of led to we did we did bigger tours. Bands started to like us. We were like a band's band for oh, sure, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and then we just started doing stuff. We did stuff with like We Came as Romans. Um, we did stuff with like Motionless and White. And back in the day, it was just less saturated, so like it was I mean easier to kind of do stuff. Sure. Um, and then uh, Vanna asked us to do their like CD release tour uh, for a record called The New Hope. And um, man, that was like huge because Vanna was like, you know, they, they were like kingpins at home. Um, and, and it wasn't always like that. Um, when Vanna first started, they got signed off of, it was when record labels start figuring out that the internet was like a viable place to find things. And uh, sure. Epitaph, Epitaph signed uh vanna and escape the fate off of pure volume because they were like pure picks two weeks in a row yeah and um so they they got a little guff at home for like people were kind of being like all oh, this band's brand new and they've only played a few shows right like, like no, there's, these guys
0: there's the whole paying the dues thing which was which used to be important <laughs> it's it was, yeah, i mean it's I still that, yeah. it's still important in, in, you know, in my it. opinion and i think bands yeah. need to to you know
1: well, you know, you, you can tell when a band's brand new to something and they oh, yeah. haven't done, like, you know, Absol- multiple tours. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely.
0: But um, um, it's funny, though, that you say that. Like, even Panic! at the Disco was, like, signed before I think they ever played a show. Show ever, yeah. Um, you know, and that was... They were, like, maybe the first band I'd ever heard of like that. And I don't know when that was. That was, like, probably 2004 or something. But um, I actually have a funny story about Falling in Reverse um, when I got signed. So I was in Las Vegas, House of Blues. We were We were playing... Uh, with Hawthorne Heights, and I came in the dressing room, you know, in the afternoon, brought my bag into the dressing room at the House of Blues backstage, and there's just like weird dude in the room, and I don't know who he is. He's like, you know, long hair, leather jacket, um, and um, he's got like a disc man, I think. Yeah, it was it was a disc man. It wasn't even a MP, like a iPod. It was a disc man, and he's like, he's like, dude, you got to check out my band. We're so sick, and I was like, uh. And he literally put the headphones on my head <laughs> and played this CD. And I'm first of all, I'm thinking, like, I just woke up. Like, what is going on? Second of all, I'm like, who's this weird dude? Why is he in here? Third of all, I'm like, this is actually pretty good. This is, like, way better than any, like, d- demo I've heard in a while. And yeah. that was um, uh, Ronnie Radke with uh oh, wow. with escape the fate did i say falling in reverse before i met yeah, i meant yeah. escape i meant escape, escape the fate. The fate. yeah um, yeah that was that was him that's the first time i ever met him was in a dressing room forcing me to listen to his band
1: that sounds about right uh
0: <laughs> so that's sorry a little side note there um i love that i've got to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor loot crate but i'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Davey. So if you've been listening to the show for the last couple months, you know our main sponsor is Loot Crate. Loot Crate is so awesome, such a cool concept. Basically, how it works, you sign up, and every month they send you a box full of really cool stuff. And they've been really awesome to me, they've really been helping out the show, and they've been sending me all this cool stuff in the mail. And as you guys know, I'm a nerd. I like a lot of geeky stuff. I'm into retro video games, I'm into cult movies, I'm always quoting them. I read graphic novels, and this month they have a really cool theme. It's Origins, so basically they're going back to, you know, the real classics. So basically, if you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate brings you between four and six of the coolest curated mystery items every month straight to your doorstep. It's the best surprise that you know is coming. Our next crate's theme is Origins. We have awesome and exclusive items from your old school favorites. This January, see where it all started and explore the iconic origins with historic items featuring Superman, Captain America, Mario, I love Mario, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And of course, always including our monthly t-shirt and pin. Here's the deal, here's how it works every month. You have until the 19th, January 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate. But when that cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So make sure you sign up by the 19th. I'd sign up now. Just go do it now. It's great. So make sure you head over to LootCrate.com slash LeadSinger and enter the promo code LeadSinger and you're going to save $3 a month off your subscriptions. So again, it's LootCrate.com slash LeadSinger promo code LeadSinger. I've really been enjoying it. So if you're anything like me, I know you will too. You know, obviously, we're we're leading to the story of how you end, ended up in Vana, yeah, uh, which is which is awesome. But, um, yeah, like like when you decided to jump ship, f- you know, um, from the a band that you'd basically built yourself to a band that was already established. Um, how how was that? That must have been a difficult decision for you. Yeah, like, am I, mean, I wrong, or, or was it just like, oh shit, they're huge. I love their band. I'm in.
1: Dude, no, it was really tough Actually, uh, I said no at first um, You know, they, they approached me On that tour that we did with them Because their singer was leaving And said they needed a singer And, you know, for me in my head You know, I built up Seeker to be You know, um, something really awesome And it was special And it was, it was special um, and for me, I wanted Seeker to be that. I said no at first. Um, and then slowly, you know, we I said no, but I helped him find somebody. And I did, I, I helped him, you know, find a couple people to try out. And, um, you know, obviously having to keep that information quiet was a little bit, like, you know, difficult to do. Um but like i uh I, over time, I was just realizing in my band after we did we did a couple tours, we got into a fist fight in the studio, like a bunch of stuff yeah. I was realizing that i was the I was the only one really doing anything um besides my drummer um he was like the only guy like um he was helping out so much, but it was me and him carrying the ship, and like we were like in our early twenties, just broke working any jobs we can, and you know it pained me to see him you know paying out. His ass and me doing the same thing for tours and all stuff. And, you know, I got my license taken away because these guys were being negligent with the van and a bunch of stuff. And I just, I realized it was like, um, it was a really bad relationship with a girl that like we were just together for too long and we hated each other but the sex was really really good and that's why we stayed together like playing with Seeker was something that was like undeniable and I kind of put that vibe out to a couple people in my area that Vanna yeah. had asked me to join and then during our shows of after I said no a couple people were like how could you ever let this go this is so special this is so special and what I was realizing is it was Seeker was a special thing for not only my and the guys in the band But it's a special thing For the like, kids in our scene In our area In New Hampshire That this was all Kind of taking place In New Hampshire Massachusetts And it was special And it was But it wasn't it wasn't being special to me. The, it, all the specialness was being ripped out by all the, the business that was just terrible and it was resting on my shoulders. And I realized that, you know, it was special because it was special to everybody else. And I needed, yeah. it needed to be time for me to take control and I needed the happiness in my life. And I wasn't getting it, but I didn't want to give up on music. So I kind of looked at it as like, I reconsidered and I called the guys back up and I was like, is that spot still available? And of course, you know, they had, he's like, yeah, we do, but you know, here's who wants to try out, you know, like Chris Roeder wanted to try out of like, you know, oh, like, yeah. like, 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 Pl- right. like, we joke about it all the time. Um, when I see him and, uh, like John Blake from Unbroken wings and like lots of different, like people from different bands. I was like, crap. Now I have competition. I'm yeah. just Davey from seeker. I'm nobody, you know? So I guess um, you could,
0: I guess you'd learn to sing at this point. Yeah. Your so mom I, wasn't, I, your mom wasn't like, dude, you yeah. can't sing.
1: You, dude, you can't sing, and like I, I, I can sing a little bit. I can definitely scream. I can sing a little bit, and you know, my 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 you know my wish was to, and that was even having my mom in mind. of like you know what, how stoked would my mom be if I could like you know because the Vanna could sell out downstairs Palladium, you know how stoked would I be to look to my right and see my mom sitting there watching that? Sure. Like you know what I mean? Like it was time. It when was you time joined the
0: band, when you joined the band, was there uh, like any talk of of changing the name? Because it was you know what I mean, like having a new singer at that point. Having, I right. think there's only maybe one or two original members. Uh, was yeah, there any talk yes of that, me. or how did you feel about that? You know, that?
1: There, there, there wasn't, and kind of how I came into it was I'd been friends with these guys for years before this, and I felt like um, it, to me, and and still this remains to this day, I, I, I feel like Vanna's more than just the band, it's always been about, Vanna's always been about their friends, their loved ones, the bands around them, the kids around them Vanna's never been just about Vanna so Vanna's more than the five people that are in the band, right. it's, an, it's sort of an idea and, and I know it kind of sounds like convenient and kind of hippy dippy and stupid and weird, but it's kind of true. That's the, that's the environment. When I started going to Vanna shows, um, when they first started playing, that's kind of the environment they cultivated, whether they wanted to or not, they were just about, you were always going to feel good at a Vanna show. You were always going to have a good time. You know what I mean? Um, and so when that came into it, I just said I wanted to continue that work that we did. You know, um, you know, years later, and another uh, another you know two members uh, change. I don't feel like that spirit has ever changed. It's been the same. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that people rely too much sometimes on the name of a band because, to be fair, like Vanna, like Silverstein, like you are Silverstein. You are what you make it. So like if you are, if you if I write a record that's a if we write records that are completely out of our genre, well. It's still our band. This we say it is what it is. You know what I mean. So um, I just told the guys I just want to embody the you know the spirit that that band kind of had. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Van is Van is a weird name. It kind of sticks in your head because it's not something that's like um, you know I don't know predictable or, or, or whatever. So I kind of dug it. So um, I did get we get we got flack from a lot of um, people um, when I joined. You know saying oh yeah uh, you know right right away they didn't even hear me yet you oh. know and I think and they're like oh this guy sucks and I'm like.
0: Look, Yo, I, look, I, man, I that's, that's just, that's, I mean, that's my next question. Like that, I've talked to other lead singers, you know, that have joined bands, even some that like, um, you know, like, I mean, look at like someone like Corey from Norma Jean. Yeah. Like he, he had to come in, you know, with like replacing Josh, like, re, like that's insane. You know, like, like one of the best front men of
1: our genre. Right. right. You, you know, know what mean? I mean? Like,
0: like there, there's just, there's people like that where you're just like that guy had to deal with it no matter yeah. how good you are. You're gonna have to deal with that bullshit, and yep. but is it true? I read this somewhere, but is it true that like when you joined the band, you were introduced, but the other guy was still there, and he like basically gave you a microphone
1: handoff? Is that like? Yeah, we um. So the way that's we a did crazy it was-
0: idea, and I don't know if that's like that must have been a lot of pressure. On I, you. And,
1: and to be fair in, in like retrospect Like would I do it that way again I don't know Maybe not I don't know It was, yeah. it was an idea we had Because I, they, the band was like Alright come on tour Do merch for us And you know Pop in a song And see how you like it And I was supposed to be on tour For a week And I ended up joining I, They asked me to stay on the whole tour This much, month and a half tour Um And uh, so I did it, and then we decided about two weeks into the tour that I was the guy they called up their management. We sent them videos. We had a we had a house party on a day off with the uh, Hit the Lights guys in Lima, and um, I, I we were partying, and they called me into a room, and they're all standing there, and they asked me to join the band. So then it became okay. Well, now we want Davey to do half the set. So. Um, during one of our songs, uh, Trash Mouth, uh, it, we'd hit like where I used to do guest vocals. Why well, would do guest vocals and finish the song with Chris, our old singer? And then Chris would announce every night, "This is my last tour with the band." Um, you know, yada yada yada. Here's Davey; he's going to perform, and I would then finish the set with them. Um, well, the first and- day,
0: like the first time you do that, I get it. Okay, you know, yeah, people are going to be weirded out, anyways. But then like there's this thing called the internet and like everyone's going to find out about it.
1: Well, we made an announcement. So the first day that he said, I'm not in the band, we did like a passing of the torch. We like posted a picture on Lambgoat of Chris handing me a lighter. I don't know. It's really stupid. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, we announced it. um, And then it got to be like that. I was doing that like, you know, every show and it was Chris's. So then Chris started like. Just partying super hard, which was sick because he's just like he was just going out in a blaze of glory and just <laughs> like you know, hey man, you're driving shift, you're the guy now. You talk to the kids, you know, which is cool because we're, we're still really good friends. Right, Chris, that's so like we-
0: pretty. That's like pretty cool because. The, yeah. the whole, you know, again, I, I say this every episode. This is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. And part of having Lead Singer Syndrome is this is my fucking band. I'm the only one that can do this job. You right. know what I mean? There's these cliche things where, sure. like, who's this fucking guy? Get him out of here. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, like, for him to put his ego aside, you know, and let, let him. Oh, let he's you a, he's sing, the man. Right. Yeah. Let
1: you sing the songs he's really- that he put his heart and soul into it's kind of kind of wild you know yeah it was a cool concept and he was super down for it and he was the one he was the one that like when the talks when he told the label and everybody of like hey i don't want to do this anymore they were like you know who are we going to get and he was like why don't we get davy like right off the bat he said why don't we get davy um so it was kind of his idea from the beginning and it was it was cool of him to share the stage with me you know we're still really really good friends uh, we see him, we see him literally almost once a tour for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're still, it's funny because like, I've been in the band now eight years and he, we, I'm like always like, you're going to come up and do a song with me tonight. And he's like, I literally can't scream. Like, no, I, can't, I don't do <laughs> what's this he, anymore. What's he doing now? Um, he's doing really well. He's moved back and forth. He was in the, he was in the military for a while. Um, he's moved kind of back and forth throughout the country, but he wow. owns a green, a green energy company. He just got married and he just had his first baby. So there he's kill, he's killing it in life right now. Um,
0: Good for him. And, we're,
1: and we're still in the van touring around the country and staying yep. at his house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned the label, the label said who we were going to get, was that epitaph?
1: That was Epitaph at the time. Um and so
0: cuz you didn't ever do a record on Epitaph. No. So you, you guys I, yeah what happened?
1: I I came to the equation. We went to the Epitaph office and I will say this that like just being in the Epitaph office for me was just a dream come true because they have released some of my favorite records like too, of, like all time. So of course I'm like, "Man, I'm on Epitaph Records. This is so cool." And it was um You know, I think that Epitaph, I mean, I don't think I know because we've had conversations about it, but they didn't really know what to do with the band, especially after I joined, you know. Um, You know, they they released their um, second full length and, uh, like, critically didn't do super hot. Um, even though the songs were great, um, it just didn't do so well, and I don't think Epitaph really knew what to do. A new singer halfway through a record cycle, like they just were kind of like, and it came to like, it had to be like me who realized it like later on, because in my band I did everything, and when I joined Vanna I was just like, I just kind of sat in the backseat and like waiting for things to happen, twiddling my thumbs, and I finally spoke up and was like, listen, This pains me to say this, because it's my dream, but I don't think we should be on Epitaph Records. Uh, I don't think they know what to do with us, and I don't think we know what to do with them. And we had a phone call with them, and they were so cool, and they were like, yeah, we honestly kind of really don't know what to do. Um, Wow. And they had paid for us to go record that Honest Hearts EP, which was the first thing that I did in the band, and they paid for a video already, and they were just like, you know what? Take the record, take the video, shop it to where you think you should go and like we support you and we're still really good friends with every everyone over at epitaph still to this that day is
0: super cool and I, I mean i have i know brett a little bit you know i've had had some rumblings actually the first time i met brett gurowitz he asked me for a picture <laughs> Which was sick. which He's was a uh, rad dude. Yeah, he is a rad dude. I have a He's lot a of respect for, for Epitaph yeah. and, and that's yeah. you know, and I get it too, because they have your old records, they have your old catalog, so if you have success, then that's just gonna get paid back to them in spades, and they're a cool punk rock exactly. label, so totally makes sense. That, I,
1: I think you know. that's what it was, was that their like whole punk rock mentality. I was like, yo man. I don't, think we des- I don't think we should be on your label because I don't want to waste your time. I don't think you really even want to spend the time on us. We need to figure out who we are so that we can figure out where to go. And they were like, hell yeah, man. You're like fist pound. Here's your video. Here's your record. Free and clear. Go do you. Um, and it was cool because I don't think anyone thought that that's how that was going to go down but they were literally so cool and you know they continue to just be a really cool punk rock label that gets it and um, you know maybe uh, maybe I'll find myself uh, with that label again one day but um, you know they they, they were great to let us go and let us kind of go find who we are and find ourselves which that's kind of exactly what we did for the next few years Cool, man.
0: Oh, uh, geez. We have been just talking and talking.
1: I do. I, I can do that. I, I, I do know. That it's, it's
0: good. Um, so now transitioning, you know, from you being the guy kind of sitting, you know, in the back, uh, not saying anything to now. Basically, it seems like you're kind of the full on leader of the band. You're tour managing the band. You got to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, like you guys had. Did not you guys have like a bad van break in?
1: Yeah, we that was actually recent. That was yeah, probably a heard, year ago. We yeah, had a pretty bad it. van break in. Yeah, it stole all of our stole all of our stuff, man.
0: Did you ever have did you get anything back to you get your insurance? We um or like we, that? well
1: the way that the insurance worked was we were renting from green vans. Our guitar player works for green vans. Um so we naturally just take those and we don't even own a van. Um and the way that insurance works, um, on that is you have insurance on the actual van. Um, so like the window that was broken, that was covered under insurance. Yeah. But there's no personal, when you're you have a, a rental company, that rental company, there's no personal insurance. Now, you can get like, if you rent a, a, a car from an agency, like, um, you know, whatever. Um, yeah,
0: you can, you can buy it extra. You can yeah. buy it, yeah. But no, so like, it's usually no through your homeowner's insurance if there's stuff in right. it. But that is weird, but then it's complicated because if you're doing if you're using the van for business purposes, then it's not covered
1: exactly And since we filed for taxes you know with this van, yeah. um, it fell into this weird category of uh sorry, no, nothing can be done, but we can fix the window um and that's just <laughs> the reality of the scenario yeah. um, and we got we got and you know all the guys we all own all of us own a business or run a business and we have to do that from the road um, so you know all of our laptops and everything and they found everything like they they got in and they just dragged everything out from like, like underneath the seats and um, Even stuff that was locked up that I don't even know how they're going to manage to get into it, they stole everything that they could. Um, So we we were down like five laptops, a bunch of iPads. um, You know, my guitar player, Nick, who does graphic design, not only is he out his graphic design computer, but he was out all of his original scans of his work. So he had to like what he's doing right now is he's just drawing around the clock to rework all those designs Ugh. again like there's just stuff that we lost that we're never going to be able to get back some of us had cash in our bags um and it was it, it, it was awful because we parked in atlanta and it was in this neighborhood that's like a super good neighborhood and um it was like well street next to an urban outfitters next to a, a theater like very good neighborhood um and we met up with Steve, is from the chariot for yeah. dinner
0: good buddy of mine
1: uh, yeah, and then Steve us left left us, and then we were like, all right, well, let's go back to the van and go to where the house we're staying at. And then we got back, and, I mean, the van was so well lit, we could see the broken window from, like, so far away. Oh. We were like, uh, what's wrong with that window? And as soon as we got to it, I was like, oh, my God, we got broken into. Um, so, But, you know, the cool thing was um, – not even 24 hours later, we raised enough money to be able to go buy all of our stuff back because um, we didn't know what to do. And my guys are sitting on the curb, like, mom, Nick has a son at home. And like, naturally, his head starts going to thinking about, oh, I do graphic design to provide for my family. I don't have a computer. I'm done, you know, like, um, and I'm looking at my I dudes know, and I, I'm, on, I'm on the phone with our manager and I'm like, what do we do? And he's like, what do you always do? in this band when something goes wrong or something's terrible and I'm like Play a show, and he's like, "You turn to your fans." That's right. Like, That's right, oh, you turn, true, man. Hey,
0: you turn to music, and music is yeah. your shovel. So,
1: yeah, exactly. So we 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 raised the money. We played a show, a sold out show, the next night in South Carolina, and the the crowd got together and bought us a hotel room. Like it was just we. I've never felt more outpouring than yeah. you know it, from one community than that 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 night. So no. it's like it, it took something. It took something that could have been devastation. Like we like if bands we didn't have to up, raise money, we had to go home. Bands break up. Over the shit. Oh, like dude, people, yeah. people don't understand how
0: devastating it is. Um, yeah. You know, you know, like not just in terms of financially for the band, but just personally going through that, and the and the feeling of of you know being robbed and being you know um, I don't know the word you know just someone coming into your life and doing that you know is yeah man it's it's, it's sucks, devastating. Dude. So you know it's yeah. a fun. I'll tell you a funny story while we're to keep it a little lighter. Um, this band. Now I mean I'm I'm I've heard the story like third or fourth hand. Right. So if anyone listening to this, if I'm telling the story, slightly wrong, but this is the way I heard the story. So this band, um, I think they're from North Carolina. They're called Scarlet, metalcore yes. band, maybe from ten years ago. Yeah, I remember. They had their entire van and trailer stolen, and um, Jeez. basically they had you know they had no choice. They had to go home. They not they, they just couldn't couldn't figure it out to play any more shows or whatever. So they ended up going home, and they're like talking about breaking up. You know, going through like the worst time of their lives, and they get some kind of tip to where their shit is. I don't, I don't know how they got a tip, but they got some kind of tip that their oh, wow. van or whatever was in South Carolina. So they go down to uh, to wherever this is, and they find this house, and it's in kind of this like, from what I understand, like sort of a ghetto. Neighborhood where the houses are sort of far apart and there's like, you know, kind of unkept lawns everywhere and they go to this door and they look in the backyard and sure enough, their trailer is in the backyard. No. And they're like, what the fuck? They knock on the door and this old lady answers the door wearing a scarlet (laughs) shirt. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? I,
1: wow! I love that. That's very great,
0: man. Like, yeah, there's That's that one, insane. and then another one I heard. Another one I heard while I'm on the subject. Another North Carolina band called Hopes Fall. Great band. Yes. Yep. Uh, they had they had all their gear stolen. I think multiple times, but one time they went to you know after a show they put out the sign at the merch. Hey, does anybody have a place to stay? And um, yeah. they go classic. to some. They go to yeah, classic. They go to some kid's house. They they go down into the basement. Oh yeah, you guys are going to sleep down here. I got a little bit of gear down here. Um, you know, I hope you don't mind. Uh, but if you guys want to jam, you know, I got this like cool drum kit. And it was the drummer's kit. His did, like did custom, it previously gotten
2: stolen. Yeah, his
0: custom drum <sighs> set. So he knew it was his because it was like a custom uh, like truth kit or something. Oh my and, God. Um, Yeah, and he's like, what the hell? Where did you get that kit? And the kids like, oh yeah, I bought it at a gas station out of the back of a truck for two hundred and fifty dollars. Good lord! <laughs> so yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like, and I have no doubt that your stuff's you know, it's it's it's
1: out there. Dude, it's it's some dude. Uh, this isn't even the first time uh, we we recorded with Matt Goldman in Atlanta uh, a few years ago, and our uh, our whole entire trailer got stolen. Whole thing, oh,
0: man. And so gone forever?
1: I, gone forever never done anything and we had just we had just before that tour before that recording started a tour and then had to leave the tour because of a death in a family so we had 10 10 g's worth of like untouched merch just sitting in there that i definitely know whoever stole the trailer just threw it all out we were like dude at least just leave with the merch so we could sell it like that would be sick i like to believe that somewhere in atlanta is a, an Fu Vanna warehouse where all of our stuff is just sitting in a warehouse, like just so we don't get to do anything with our lives. Yes, I'm convinced. I'm convinced of that.
0: Hey, you never know. Maybe maybe something will pop up on eBay and you'll get a lead and you'll find out.
1: I hope something you like know? that happens that we just like go down to a basement and there all our stuff. <laughs> I know, right? There. That would
0: be that would be that's Choice. good. That's good news. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I forget what it, where it was. I was playing like a like a Gibson, like a really nice Gibson acoustic, old one or something on tour. I was playing, and some guy in an older band, this is when I was younger, came up to me, I don't remember who it was, and he said, uh, nice guitar. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. He goes, uh, how, much was, how much was that thing? I go, oh, you know, it's like this. He's like, yep. He's like, you obviously haven't had all your shit stolen yet. <laughs> and, he's, <laughs> and he's playing like an Epiphone. You know, like three hundred dollar yeah. guitar on yeah. tour in a big band because he's like, "Fuck that! I don't want you know what I mean." Like, yeah, yeah I, don't I don't want, want like my, good my stuff to be stored. Right, that that has obviously sentimental value too. But God, anyways, Davy, we have we have went on and on. This has been a great conversation. Would love to have yeah. you back for a part two. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, are you guys, uh, you guys working on some new music? I know your new record is fairly new. Yeah, it's fairly
1: new. Um, Or you got got tours coming
0: up? What's going on with you guys?
1: We, um, we, uh, we've toured pretty heavily this year. Um, we figured out that we were gone almost nine months this entire year, which is crazy. Um, and it's been, it's been big for us. So right now we're at home enjoying holidays, enjoying family and wives and, uh, and, and children and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, we meet up in a couple of weeks to to start discussing like the, you know, the future plans of stuff and future music and, uh, all that kind of stuff. I think that, um, this year put a really big hold on, uh, Vanna personal life and like, even like our business life and stuff. Um, and we're taking this like brief moment of, of, you know, time out to kind of collect ourselves and, and figure out what what's next for us and what's not only next for Vanna, but what's next for like, you know, each one of us personally and stuff. Um, so it's, it's actually nice to just be able to like kind of sit here in my office and work on, um, my nonprofit and work on stuff that, you know, I haven't gotten to be able to do in almost a year. So it's, it's, it's really nice.
0: No, that's, that's great. And my final question, um, do you have any plans to, uh, to write a book?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a funny question. I got approached, um, by a publishing company from New York. Um, uh, but maybe probably in, I think February, um, of this year to sit down and write uh write a book and it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um and I kind of have started compiling stuff and putting things together um for the kind of style I, I, I wanna I wanna do it in and um I uh I have um so many notebooks i mean as you probably do too of just lyrics and 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 diary entries that i'm starting to go through and uh and sort of just kind of convert into stuff so my end game i guess with all of it is to is to put out a a book about my life um yeah no i think it would
0: be very very interesting and uh, compelling and also help people you know and that's that's what you're trying to do now which i can really respect
1: yeah, man, that's kind of all I'm living for now. Is just like I just want to help people, um, you know. Either you know, kind of share with what I went through, so you don't have to go through it, or kind of give you like a cliff notes. Like, all right, well, if you're going to be a d bag and a loser, here's how you do it right. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice man, yeah. nice man. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. It's uh, great to Appreciate have it. you. No problem.
1: Man. Yeah, thank you for thank you for having me, man.
0: So there it was, my conversation. With Davey of such an inspiration. Just an amazing guy. What he's doing talking to kids in schools is really, really cool. And you know, I don't know if we're supposed to be role models as lead singers of bands. I don't know if I'm a role model. I don't think about that very often. I mean, I guess I try to set a good example, just in generally in life. So I guess that's part of it. Um, But... Taking it a step further and really just saying, hey, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be that role model. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to make the world a better place, you know, one student at a time or a thousand students at a time probably who he's speaking to is a really amazing thing. So, so much love to Davey. Thank you, Davey, for doing it. All the best in 2017. And to all you guys, thank you so much again for listening to my show The support has been great. If you're digging it, please go on iTunes, write a review, preferably five stars. Give me some love. Hit me up on email, whatever you got to do. And of course, spread the word. If you love the show, tell a friend, tell a loved one. And let's keep this thing growing. As always, I'm going to play a tune. Here's one of my favorite Vanna songs. This jam is called Digging. Enjoy and peace and love. We'll see you next week.